Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In this episode, I speak with Rob van der Hovel, who is the CEO of SendCloud. SendCloud has become Europe's number one e-commerce shipping platform in just a few years and is on the FT list of Europe's fastest growing companies. The conversation gets interesting after after a while as we start to get into the question of uh, culture and how you create a can-do culture where there is a kind of a no-bullshit ethos where you people grow and win together um, and where everybody takes ownership uh, rather than being micromanaged and told what to do. And uh, Rob has some really great insights as to what the role of the CEO is in creating that can-do uh, and high-ownership culture. So do enjoy this conversation with Rob van der Hovel of SendCloud. Hi there, Rob. Hey, hey, Richard. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we're going to explore your secrets of scaling, right? You've built uh, um, SendCloud out from nothing into one of Europe's fastest growing companies as measured by the Financial Times. Uh, I know you're now at uh, over 350 people and probably 500 very shortly. So you've seen real success. And I'm really curious to get into finding out some of the highs and lows of that journey. So thanks for joining me. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for the, uh, for the intro. So, well, let me, let me, let me ask for, for a bit of background. What's the elevator pitch, right? Like who, is, who is the man behind the mask? Um, uh, just tell us a little bit. How did you, get, you know, how did you end up starting this highly successful software company? Yeah, uh, that's actually a nice story. So back in 2011, uh, me and two friends were running an online store. We were selling phone accessories, which we imported from China and sold them for a nice margin here. We were still students back then, um, but actually we were running into the daily problem, which was shipping, right? So it was lots of manual data entry into old systems. Uh, we were paying way too much for our shipments. Returns were a hassle. So at one point we were really fed up with the existing systems of carriers. I thought, hey, this needs to be automated. It's, it's 2012 by then. Um, why isn't this fixed? Look, everything else on my online store is fully automated. So that's when we decided to uh, to found SendCloud, which is uh, a service where uh, online stores can go to um, basically and get Amazon level shipping and logistics. Perfect, perfect. So okay, so you and three friends, pretty much straight out of university, started to yeah. build this business, right? Yeah, yeah. So of course we knew nothing. We were very naive, which is actually I think a great position to be in. So right. then you just go in head first and uh, and try to build something out of nothing. Yeah, that's perfect. So yeah, as you say, sometimes it's good just to go in and um, with commitment, right? You committed to the idea. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you're committed to the idea. You have a you have a vision on how how things should work, and also frustration is actually a, a great place to uh, to start a business from, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting. Often people look for clarity uh, and have all the answers, and often get held back when they don't have clarity. But I think it is that commitment, and perhaps as you said, a slight frustration. Yeah. That is the the fuel to get going, right? You just need to be all in. Exactly. And we had nothing to lose, like Richard. We we didn't have houses, no wives, no kids, nothing, right? So we 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 just went indeed, we went all in and uh yeah, build it from scratch. Fantastic. So there's clearly been a whole set of journey, right? The whole highs and lows roller coaster, I'm sure, as you've done that. But as you look back um over that this period. What are some of the things that you did really well that helped the company scale? Like what actually said that really worked? That was a key move that we made. There are, there are many. Look, we've been, we've been at this for eight and a half years. At the start, I would say it's really been our, our pragmatism and uh, we just went for it, right? So instead of talking about it, we executed, right? So instead of waiting for our customers to come in, me, Boss and Sabi, the co-founders just went and cold called a whole lot of uh, <laughs> uh, online stores. So it's been a really pragmatic way of approaching things and just doing and learning along the way. And um, I think that's that's something which is in the also in the core of our uh, of our culture, and, and that still works to, up to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So so just getting going, right? And and uh, I think that's a great point about sometimes you just need to pick up the phone and call people because. Um, as I often say to my clients, yes lives in the land of no, right? You have to take some no's if you're going to get a yes. Exactly. Uh, and that's the challenge sometimes is we've got to go through the no's. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's, of course, the first stage, right? You just, you just do everything yourself from customer support to sales to maybe a bit of development and marketing. And, uh, and then it's really about who is on your team, right? Who do you get on the train? So mm. the second thing I think we did really well is people we knew which were really good, all of them, they, they are still here. Uh, most of them are still here today. So we got everybody uh, which we knew was, uh, was skilled. We got on the train and uh, yeah, that helped us well immensely. And what kept them on the train? I think the learning experience as well, right? So we were all relatively young. We, for many of us, it was like the first, uh, first job after the studies and yeah. I think we we learned along the way, right? So we learned how to manage people, how to lead teams, uh, how to build a good company culture. And I think that's, if you keep on learning, you can keep people on, on the train, uh, as, we, uh, as we can say, right? It's something which which help, helps a lot. And second to that, I think it's making an impact. So if you see your work actually results in something changing or maybe getting 100 new customers or scaling the business or building that feature, which is being used by thousands and thousands of, uh, of online merchants. So that that's all things that, that, that help. Yeah. Tell me about impact. Obviously, it's the name of the podcast. Uh, yeah. How do you describe the impact of what you do? Why does it matter? Yeah, why does it matter? I think it matters for, um, for a few reasons. So we really make the lives of online merchants, so people selling online a whole lot easier. So we save them a lot of time. We save them a lot of money. For consumers, so people ordering online, we offer them the choice uh, how or when or where or by who the parcel or package or everything should be delivered. And we offer them a really nice 
consumer experience as well throughout the entire uh, we call it shipping uh, shipping journey. So we keep you up to date. We let you know when where a package will arrive. We make returns process really smooth. So I think in a, in a nutshell, we save a whole lot of time, effort, and a bit of frustration uh, uh, along the way, and also some money, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And so, uh, so you got your this pragmatism that obviously got you going, this learning experience that kind of brought people perhaps with you, and you, you managed to create a really solid team to start with. Um, and uh, well, you know, what else did you do? Do you think as, you, as started, the company started to grow, that you moved yeah. past that initial group of friends, um, you know, and you got you know you got into the hundreds of people category. You know, that's still that's a very different business at that point. How did you keep it scaling in that? size yeah it's um yeah and again right so as i said earlier the core is learning by doing so we really kept on executing always uh, we tried to get people in that that knew more than us um so that are smarter than than what is a cliche right but the people that are smarter than us already did it a few times and next to promoting the right people internally i think to to build something from let's say three people all the way up to uh, 350 not everything goes uh, goes always smoothly or, uh, for example, our internationalization, we had quite some challenges there. Today, today we're active in eight markets throughout Europe. Mm. Of course, we hit some bumps in the road there with cultural differences and, uh, and uh, I think even product totally differences in, uh, in different markets. But um, yeah, so I think there are, there are, there are so many things, uh, Richard, which we can, uh, can go into it if it's people or, or the business or, or even the culture i think everything changes at scale yeah yeah I mean, especially and especially as you've also expanded internationally yeah as you started to make those international expansions you know um how did that change things from your perspective yeah so since we are from from the netherlands we we have a relatively small i would say home market so if you want to build a global market leader uh, that was not our ambition at the start but today it is if you want to do that, you need to internationalize. Um, so very early back in 2015, we already knew, okay, we need to grow outside of the borders. So what we did is we uh, got, in, instead of opening offices everywhere, we got everybody into our HQ in, uh, in, uh, in the Netherlands and got everybody working together. So after we did Belgium, we did Germany, but then the Germans could learn from the Belgians how to enter a market and from our Dutch team how to do it at scale. And this is how we scaled the uh, the markets uh, going forward. So every market starts from our uh, from our HQ and with a big backing of our entire team. Um, got it. Got it. So everyone starts by coming, like the team goes to the HQ and works there. Yeah. Do they stay there or do they end up in a regional office? Or they, does stay it, is it... they stay there. So uh, we only have one regional office, which is Munich for for the for the DAG market. So uh, Germany, Austria, Sweden, uh, uh, Switzerland. Sorry. Okay. So how have you dealt with the whole COVID thing? I mean, you know, the, that, that culture of being very, very centralized and really just being everyone in one place. Yeah. Uh, how's that, has that worked for you? Has that been hard? It, it, has, been, it has been interesting, right? So I think the first months, uh, one of the first things we did is uh, give everybody a budget to order a proper desk, chair, and all that stuff. I think mm-hmm. we did that in, in March when really the epidemic hit. Um, then we made sure they had proper screen set up and everything. Um, so we have a proper way, or proper way to work from home, and I think communication, um, maybe the, the the conversations at the coffee machine, right? They suffered, uh, but we tried to do as many things as we possibly can remote, 
uh, even remote team events or uh, or uh, quizzes or all kinds of uh, I think crazy uh, crazy stuff which which bonds people together in a different way than work right because a Zoom meeting usually is only scheduled if there's something to talk about so we also introduce random coffees with everybody that everybody once a yeah. week gets a random coffee with somebody right. they don't know so we yeah. try to really uh, enforce the connection even 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 though it's yeah, not there at the time. Hmm. We recruited 150 people during COVID. So okay. many of many of my team members I haven't met in person, which is uh, which is different. But they still feel like part of the team, and they are really, I think, that on the productive side, they're still really productive. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's really interesting because you know, with COVID and hybrid working and remote working, I mean, there has been this move, and even before that. But uh, you're really a company that's really said, no, no we do want to be in one place and that's where a lot of the, that transfer happens. Yeah. So I think that, that's definitely um, pretty interesting. So what about, what about one of the things, what, what's made things difficult? What's been, a, you know, what's been hard on this journey to scale and to grow the organization effectively, you know, where have been some kind of difficult moments? Yeah, look, we, we, uh, we went bankrupt almost three times because we ran out of money because we are <laughs> we were quite ag- aggressive in scaling, right? So we always had the mindset we have nothing to lose. So we knew what the funding order was coming. We would still hit, hit the pedal very hard and uh, and uh, and scale. So that's uh, that's happened. Um, also, back in the very early days, um, we were cut off by uh, several shipping companies at the start. So we couldn't ship at all. Which is uh, in a shipping mm. business quite essential. Yeah, right? it's a bit, so, uh, a bit of a problem. Yeah, that, that happened as well. And then you need to resolve that together with the carrier. And it took two, three months, nobody could ship. But still, we eventually got through it by being, again, I think pragmatic and also tenacious on the carrier side, really uh, get stuff going again. Um, and I think today, what's hard, I think it's scaling the team, finding the right, uh, the right talent. It's. Um, yeah, they, they talk about the war on talent, but I think actually in the, in the business world, it's actually true, right? So there is scarcity and uh, everybody wants the same uh, engineers and everybody wants the same sales talent. So um, I think that's for now uh, one of the big bottlenecks, I would say. Yeah. So what do you do about that? How do you try to get around that? Yeah. So we have an internal team of seven talent magicians, as we call them internally, or recruiters. So they are uh, full-time scouring uh, the entire world for uh, for talent and um so so we do that we do lots of employer branding um also in our teams we have a referral uh, bonus scheme so if you refer mm-hmm. somebody you uh, you get a bonus and we actually see that that's the most successful channel so mm-hmm. referrals by existing uh, team members are the most successful uh channel for for recruitment so uh, I, mean, I would nurture that always um, yeah of course, we try to do lots of external uh, external videos, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think we're always recruiting, and even everybody in the management team is always recruiting. So uh, yeah. These conversations are all about scaling yourself to scale your business, and one of the biggest barriers that stops us from doing that is getting stuck in operations and not spending time on the most valuable strategic work. So. I do recommend that you take our free executive productivity assessment. It's just 10 quick questions to find out exactly where you are on the journey to executive time management mastery. You'll then discover how you can free yourself up 
for more strategic activity. To take the assessment, head to xquadrant.com slash go slash productivity assessment with a hyphen between those two last words. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, no, of course. And I suppose, so I mean, some of these things being bankrupt, um, being cut off by shipping, these are things that kind of came in and happened and they were effects, you know, things you had to navigate, challenges that you had to navigate. Um, you know, but if you look at just that whole process of of scaling, I mean, you obviously mentioned recruitment's just the pure recruitment's an issue, but like, you know, keeping the team together and aligned and focused when you're starting to get lots of people joining the company at a hard rate, keeping the culture going. Yeah. What have you, what have been your learnings around that? You know, where have you kind of done a good job on that and where have you felt you'd love to do better or you do something different next time? Yeah. So I think what we've done well was being super transparent always to everybody. So I I do uh, a monthly all hands meeting, for example, where I present the full financials, everything up, everything uh, which people can want to learn it's there. So um, that's good because then people can make more informed decisions because they know the big picture, right? So we I really believe in uh, being fully open about basically everything. Um, something we could have, uh, we could have improved. Um, yeah, we, on the, on the cultural aspect, I think we, um, we sometimes took our culture for granted. And I mean, that means not writing it down, not being explicit about it. So we did that only when we reached, I think, 100 or 120 people. Then we, we thought, okay, hey, we need to write yeah. this down and we need to make it explicit what we stand for. And uh, I think we were a little bit on the late side with that. So um, we always thought it was a bit fluffy, right? The culture and, uh, but actually, yeah, it's really uh, essential uh, to, to, to scaling. Yeah, it's, um, it is. I mean, culture is what, people do when nobody's looking fundamentally yeah. right yeah. Um, and so what's key about your culture uh, what's key about our, I think there are we have three main values I would say but let's start with the, the what we consider the most important one it's called no bullshit it means we are open we are transparent we are straight with each other it's it's also maybe uh, Dutch people are in generally considered quite uh, I would say uh, sometimes borderline rude we don't want to be rude i'm sorry we just want to be yeah talking about the real facts about what's yeah. actually happening so no bullshit is one of the i think core pillars of our culture um a second one will be uh, grow and win so our company is growing our team members are growing um i think that's really important but also if you look at the winning side we don't want to necessarily win ourselves but we want to create a win-win uh, so that also, all the stakeholders in our ecosystem, so the carriers, our, the merchants, the consumers, all of them should win from our solution as well. Mm. I think the last one is maybe maybe the most important one is we believe in, in having fun. Mm. So if you're having fun at work, it also helps. I think in the productivity, you stick around for longer, you get less attrition. So that, that's the three things I think are, which we uh, describe our culture with. Yeah, no, really interesting. And I know, you know, you talked as well um, a bit earlier on, earlier on around freedom and responsibility, right? So making sure that people have have that. Um, and um, that can be quite tough, right? To, to, to manage to create a culture where people have that at scale. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think a good read about that would be uh, a no rules rules from uh, from Reed Hastings, right? I think that's a really good book. But I I, I do believe that if you um, if you empower your team to make their own decisions, that they can have a way bigger impact themselves, and they also feel responsible for their own decisions. Uh, yes. If you if you micromanage or if you are super strict and uh, or if everything is top down, how can you expect your team members then to engage in a in a, in a meaningful way with your company? How can they, they will not be thinking about your company when they're when they're under the shower? They will yes. be thinking about something else, right? Yeah, exactly. So many people, they say, I'm trying to get people to buy in, yeah. um, you know, et cetera. But it's like buy into my own vision, my own plans. Yeah. I love to say to people, you know, if I knocked on your door and, and uh, you open the door and ask to say, hi, Rob, and thrust a baby into your hands and say, own this baby, <laughs> right? You're going to be like, this is not my baby, right? Oh, no. <laughs> right? Whereas if you make a baby, it's your baby. You know, you're going to yeah. like do anything for your baby. And, uh, and yet we don't apply that same thing in the business world so often. And we try to f- give people babies and tell them to look after the baby, yeah, you know, and that, works, right? well, you get a nanny, right? You get, a, yeah, you get a nanny who'll do it, but no more. All right. Yeah. I think another interesting aspect is sometimes people come to me and ask for, right, they have this great idea and they ask, uh, ask for feedback. If I think it's a great idea, but I would add X or Y or Z. Then I take so much ownership from them, even though I think maybe you should add this to the idea. I let them yeah. figure it out themselves and hope they 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 come with the answer eventually, which uh, and sometimes they come up with something way better. But if I say to them, Hey, have you thought about adding this to your ID? The ownership will, will, will yeah. yeah, I love it. I mean, I well, again, one of the phrases I'll use is it's better to have a 50% good idea with 100% ownership yeah. than 100% good idea with 50% ownership. It's, it's way better to have the ownership. Exactly. And um, one of my, I often tell my CEO clients as well to, that they should almost measure their success by the number of decisions that they can enthusiastically ratify. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that means that you've built a system within the organization, which means that the weird ideas are getting filtered out and in terms of you as a CEO, you're not having to step in and make referee decisions. Because yeah. the more that you do as a CEO, the more demotivated everybody else actually becomes, <laughs> bizarrely. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. I agree, right? So the more, you, the more you step in and make yeah, overrule or uh, the more you really kill uh, yeah, initiatives, right? And then people, yeah. the next time they won't come up to you with, uh, hey, I have this great idea. Then they'll just say, oh, yeah, I, I might have a great idea, but... Let's not talk about it. I'll just do my job. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I think that's um, that's exactly right. I mean, I think this thing about ownership, I'm sure it's a key part, and I can definitely hear it. It's the key part of of who you are and, and what you're trying to build. And I'm sure that's the reason for scaling, right? Again, it's very hard to scale if you've got micromanaging going on. Yeah. Uh, whereas also, if you build an entrepreneurial culture, it, 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 it bubbles through. Yeah, it also is something that's interesting. Once sometimes, of course, you hire somebody and they turn out to be exactly what you don't like, right? Being a micromanager, it's interesting to see how, how quickly uh, people give that guy, give that person feedback, and uh, and um, and and if he doesn't, he or she doesn't change, then often doesn't work, and then they're they're also out, right? Mm. So that's also, I think, another aspect of the culture. It's not that it's harsh. That we can. Uh, say goodbye in a nice way but if it doesn't match i believe it's better to say goodbye earlier than wait for another six months and see if it improves 
Mm. Of course, people need to get the chance to improve themselves, but a, a bad apple usually takes down an entire team. It's, it has such a big impact. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the one thing I've, I've found is it's really just really important to to make it really specific about what the either what the expectation is or what the behavior is that's perhaps causing a problem. What I often what I see is a lot of kind of very compassionate and empathetic leaders will will kind of hint at it for a while and then they'll get fed up and basically sack the guy or girl, right? Yeah. And the person's often like, I didn't actually know it was such an issue. So yeah. I think you have to kind of have that commitment to to being really, really, well, I guess it's your no bullshit rule, right? About being really transparent and not yeah. softening it to that key moment. Yeah, but I think, look, feedback doesn't have to be soft, right? It can be, as long as it, look, it shouldn't be uh, personal or, or nasty in any way. It should just be fact-based, straight, right? Yeah. Just tell it straight, leave no bullshit, then yeah. then the other person can also take it and maybe do something with it or not. That's also fine. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, during this conversation, Rob, Where's next for you? No matter how much we've achieved, there's always the next level to get to. And so as the business keeps scaling, uh, going from 300 people to perhaps over 500 people in the near future, what are you going to have to do differently as a CEO? Where's your kind of growth uh, going to come from? Yeah, so that's, that's quite hard, right? I think we are scaling to in the coming three, four years to 1,500 people. So um Lots of stuff is going to happen. Lots of stuff is going to change. I always say to everybody, the nice thing about my role is that every year I have a new job because that's how much it, it really changes. Yeah. Um, I just have to learn, I think, how to manage at, at scale. So um, that's, uh, of course, I'm already kind of doing that, but 1,500 is a lot lot different than 300 or 350. Yeah. So, um I think their challenge is going to be keep a great culture, but then also how to build a proper management layer of people that actually embody embody that as well. Uh, next to, of course, all the other aspects. Next to, of course, outputs, uh, scaling teams, and um, yeah, as there are so many. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things that need to happen properly before we can, of course, get to that uh, get to that level of scale. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really this question of. What I'm hearing is uh, it's these bigger and bigger levers, right? As you said, like to start with, you don't even need to think about culture because you're just getting stuff done and you have a few of you. And then as you start to go through these different layers, you realize, oh, actually, you know, now we've got a good culture, but it's hard to scale it. And then you get into how do I actually create these kind of structures, um, the management layers that are going to work without losing the good things, right? Which is yeah, this is where the game also, is. Without, without, without the micromanagement, right? So all you can create layers, but it shouldn't be. I once saw a great, I think it was a meme of like a bird on top, and then they shit on the lower level birds, and then the bird is like. A, <laughs> you don't want to have that, right? That will be a disaster. So yes. um, and at the middle, the middle people in the middle are always screwed. The middle management, and yeah. uh, I think you don't want to have that. So um, yeah. Yeah. No. Fascinating. Well, hey, Rob, it's been great speaking to you. Thanks so much. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about SendCloud, where do they do that? Uh, they can ping me on LinkedIn. Uh, I always reply or email me at uh, robertsendcloud.com. It's uh, always good. Thanks okay. a lot. Yeah, perfect. Well, hey, it's been a great conversation. Thank you again and uh, best of luck for the future. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. 
When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.